Devils beat writer James Nichols joins me on today's episode as we're going to talk about our expectations moving forward after the Devils' big win over the Edmonton Oilers. Are they legitimate? Is this just a trend? Well, I would love to hear what James has to say about it. Lots to talk about on today's episode of Locked on Devils, so buckle up, everybody. You're Locked on Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked on Devils with Trey Matthews. Alrighty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Chalky, play-by-play announcer, and also Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, Trey Matthews. I am joined alongside Devils beat writer for the fourth period. It's James Nichols. James, how you doing? I'm doing well, Trey. How are you? Great game yesterday. I'm in a great mood. At the time of recording, the New Jersey Devils are on a five-game win streak. They have another game against the Calgary Flames. Um, so this Canadian Western trip is actually going pretty well so far for the Devils. Yeah, I mean, you know, so far so good. They saw a Vancouver team who, you know, is trying to get their uh, their stuff together. They're they're uh, figuring it out, I guess now. But you know, by the time the uh, the Devils got to them a couple of games ago, uh, they were still in the process of figuring things out. So, um, you know, just one of those things where the Devils are were the better team and they should have uh, handled that situation. Uh, the way they did. And uh, I, I believe after the game, you know, Nico Heischer even said, you know, that wasn't our best effort, but we found a way to win, which is a, um, you know, a, an example of of a, of a good team who knows like, listen, uh, even when we don't play our best, we find a way to uh, come out on the other side with a W. Um, so again, just the mark of a good team. And then, you know, you see what they did against the Oilers last night. And, you know, that was probably their biggest test of the season. I was talking about this yesterday on a, on a Twitter space where, you know, the the avalanche come through at home and, and that was a, a big game as well. Obviously, the defending Stanley Cup champions, but they're not completely healthy, right? They were missing Val Nachuskin. They were missing Gabe Landeskog and uh, two key components of that team, um, but still good to see them get a win. They still had, you know, Cal McCarr, Devin Taze and uh, Nathan McKinnon. Uh, big test, but I thought that the Edmonton Oilers game in Edmonton was a bigger one. Um, and again, they come out on the other side with a win. They uh, found a way and it was probably their biggest, most impressive performance to mm-hmm to this to so far this season yeah it's funny how you say test because I literally used that same word in yesterday's episode when I was recapping the game because I said that for the New Jersey Devils you're going against one of the best players to ever play the game in Connor McDavid you also have a generational type talent in Leon Dreisaitl and you're playing on the road at Edmonton they're also on a five-game win streak they have the same exact record at the time of the New Jersey Devils but let's face it I'm sure the Devils were listed as underdogs going into that matchup. So that's something you definitely had to take into consideration. And so it was already a challenge for them going into the game, but it got bigger and bigger and bigger as the game progressed because Mackenzie Blackwood went down with an injury. We don't know. uh, We still don't have a a specific update uh, at the time of recording because all I know is Amanda Stein said that obviously he wasn't participating in practice. Obviously it's going to be a lower body injury, but we just don't know the severity of it. We don't know if it's day to day. We don't know if he's going to need surgery, but knowing the devils are not really going to go into full detail in that regards. We'll know worst case scenario when they actually break the news, similar to what happened with Andre Pilat or miles wood last year, but digressing a little bit, Vitek Vanacek had to come off the bench ice cold during a power play. That was probably one of the worst situations 
that you could put Vitek Vancek in. And first shot that the Oilers got, they scored. Jesper Brad had a bit of a brain fart in period number one. And then come period number three, the Devils were down by two goals. Now, one thing I noted is that what was different about them trailing this game compared to like the Capitals, Red Wings, and Flyers game was that they were not down by that much. And it seemed like they had some decent momentum heading their way. I just said, you got to score early. And once you do, you cannot allow the Oilers to score once again. And the Devils got more shots on a goal and they were able to maintain that offensive pressure. And thus they were able to tie it very late. Ryan Graves, who didn't really have a good game, was making a, a bit of a boneheaded decisions early on, was able to redeem himself. Jesper Bratt was able to extend his point streak, break the franchise record by recording a point in 11 straight games uh, to start the season. So this was a true test for New Jersey Devils. And are they legitimate? That's my question. I, I mean, yeah, they're starting to convince me, right? I, I did write the other day um, that, you know, they're starting to turn that page and, and they're start, you know, the, the sample looks pretty good, right? You can only play the schedule that you're given. And, and there's been a lot of talk about how it's been a light schedule, a pretty easy schedule so far. But, you know, when you're when you go up against pro what, in, in my opinion, could be the Western Conference favorites to head back to the conference final in the West or and possibly even the Stanley Cup, you, you know, you see the game that they played against them. Um, that that was a convincing win, you know, and, and Elliot Freeman said earlier today on his show too, like, you know, that wasn't a fluke win. That was an earned win. So um, the the pace of the game was really what stood out to me, right? They, the, the, we know the Edmonton Oilers are going to fly because they have Connor McDavid. They have uh, Leon Dreisaitl, but the New Jersey Devils were just as fast. And it was just a, like Lindy Ruff said, a, a, a game where uh, it was two really fast teams playing a really fast game. And you saw, you know, a New Jersey team who made a statement and said, we can hang with the big dogs. So um, I, I'm starting to believe more and more as the days go on that they are legit, so long as they can just get decent goaltending. And that's absolutely, <laughs> they got more than decent goaltending last night out of Vitek Vanacek. Um, and, and, you know, the, the time that Mackenzie Blackwood put into the game, I thought that he was uh, just fine as well. So, uh, so long as they, they continue to get that, that consistent goaltending, we know they're going to possess the puck because they're possession machines at five on five. Um, their power play is getting a little bit better and the defense is good. You know, they're, they're really deep back there. So um, I'm buying in on the New Jersey devils. You know, this is my first year covering them full time. Uh, I was, you know, with the Islanders previously, but what I'm seeing out of them, you know, I covered the Islanders in, in two cup runs uh, or in two playoff runs the, the, in the past three years. And, and I saw the make of a, a mature team, a really good team. And, you know, they put those mistakes behind them, you know, even in the middle of a game and, and they, they look forward and they, they correct those mistakes. And that's something that the New Jersey Devils did last night against the Oilers, one of the better teams in the NHL. So um, I think they're maturing despite them being young and um, they, they're one of the more skilled teams in the league. And with that speed, um, it's pretty convincing that they're uh, they're legit. Yeah, I mean, it's only 11 games into the year, so I don't really want to jump the gun on anything. However, sure. I, think, I don't think this is a fluke. They're on a five-game win streak. They've won, what, uh, eight of their last nine, and it seems like they're outscoring their opponents by a decent amount, and their their defense has gotten a lot better. John Marino was a huge steal for Tom Fitzgerald. Same with what he was able to get for Jonas Siegenthaler just a few years ago. The Devils are just capitalizing on find, finding diamonds in the rough and utilizing them to the best of their abilities, sort of taking like a Billy Bean money ball type approach, which is you find sort of the misfit players, the players that are not really that greatly appreciated on their previous roster, 
And then you're just like, you can have a big role if you play for the Devils. Yeah, I that, that's well said. I think that the the Devils and Tom Fitzgerald saw something in um, John Marino that the Pittsburgh Penguins were missing. Uh, and I was saying yesterday that I, I feel like I see a bit of Jacob Slavin light in John Marino. He has the ability to defend really well. He's always on the ice for uh, up against the opponent's best players, best skaters. Um, and he does a pretty good job shutting them down. Like, obviously, you know, if Conor McDavid scores last night, like you're not going to bat an eye at Conor McDavid scoring. And of course, John Marino, that's his assignment. But he was again out there the next shift covering Conor McDavid again and again. And he, you know, he received 24 minutes of ice time last night. He, he leads the the uh, Devils night in and night out because he's the most trusted defenseman on the team, it's, it seems. Um, and he's got a little bit of that offensive touch too. Like he can, he can dish it. He can shoot the puck. Well, he's an excellent skater. Um, I think the, the devils stole him from the Pittsburgh Penguins. I, I, I couldn't speak more highly of John Marino. He's been a huge addition to this team. Uh, they got a top four defenseman in my opinion for pennies, um, and, and Ty Smith. So Ty Smith right now is in the AHL, that third round pick, who knows what it's going to be. Um, but in my opinion, that was a steal for the devils and, and it was a huge, uh, development for, their forward progression. Yeah. I mean, in yesterday's matchup against the Oilers, what I saw was not just John Marino playing excellent defense. I saw Dougie Hamilton also play excellent defense. I saw Jonas Siegenthaler also play excellent defense. Basically they, the, the name of the game was you got to team up on Connor McDavid, because if you give him just an ounce of daylight, he's going to capitalize. We saw it in that two-on-one opportunity when Jesper Bratt turned the puck over instead of electing to shoot. So I said, despite Connor McDavid scoring in period number one, I still felt as though as the game progressed, the Devils did an excellent job at defending him because you saw Siegenthaler, Marino, Hamilton, whatever the case might be, you saw them trying to poke the puck away. You saw them just smother him. You saw, uh, I don't know if you saw this, this was very uh, minuscule, but at one point during the game, Connor McDavid tried to body John Marino into the boards and John Marino just literally stood, stood tall, didn't stumble, didn't do anything took it like it was nothing and continued to just pass the puck to neutral ice as if it was like a flea that just hit him. And I'm, I'm just like, yeah, he brushed brushed him off in that aspect. So the defense has been phenomenal for the New Jersey devils. And it's one of the reasons why they're having this great amount of success, but I want to rewind the clock a little bit. What were your expectations going into the season for the devils? Because I said ceiling wild card. And it seems like, at this pace, they're going to break that ceiling, at least in my eyes, because I said wild card, first round exit. Don't worry, there's still more in store with James. But before we continue with today's episode, we just got to push the pause button on this episode real fast. Okay, so we're paused right now. Great, because you got to try this. I'm talking about Built Bar's new reimagined flavors, cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, white chocolate peppermint granola. It's Built's take on granola bars, so it's more filling and still insanely tasty. And candy cane brownie puff. Built Puffs are like biting into the universe's most delicious cloud. First off, for anyone who hasn't tried Built Bars before, they're literally the best tasting protein bars ever. They're revolutionizing nutrients, as we know, with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and shockingly, low sugar and calories, 130 calories. Just sink your teeth into the first bite, and it'll change your life forever. I'm not kidding. There was a time before uh, when you tried Built Bar, you're going to love them. And the magical, wonderful time afterwards, you're probably going to wish that you had more flavors. And what's my favorite flavor, you might be asking? 
I love them all. And I know that's a cliche to say, but they're so delicious. They're unbelievable. And they're all different. So you can order a mixed box or you can try all five flavors for yourself. Built, you got to try this. Get 50% off your order right now by using the promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. All right, time to push play on this show once again. Back to our discussion with James. Um, I I, uh, I was probably in the same boat. I didn't think that they were going to be this offensive juggernaut that they've become. Uh, before the season started, you know, I didn't anticipate Nico Heischer breaking out for 11 points in 10 games so far. I know he had a 60-point season last season, but, you know, health eludes him sometimes. Uh, I didn't anticipate Jesper Brat on an 11-game point streak with 17 points thus far through 11 games. Um, I didn't know that John Marino was going to be this this good. I didn't know the goaltending was going to be as strong as it has been, at least in the the recent history with their, uh, with their this current winning streak. So um, I was really uh, pleased with the, uh, the the additions this summer in Palat and Haula, Vanacek and Marino. I thought that, you know, all of that um, veteran presence and, and all the playoff games that came with them um, was an excellent add to this young team. But I definitely did expect, you know, a bubble team who was going to make mistakes and, and uh, you know, probably get into the playoffs, maybe like in in the last week of April, right? Claim a playoff spot real late. But right now, you know, the opposite looks like it could be happening They're They're leading the Metropolitan Division. And of course, it's still early, but um, the possession numbers are really convincing. Like if they can continue to play this way night in and night out and, and get that decent goaltending, you know, you're seeing step forwards with, like I said earlier, Nico Heischer and Jesper Brat, but also Miles um, Wood is stepping up. He's playing really well. He had two goals last night. Yeager Sharangovich has just been excellent. I think he's severely underrated. Um, even the fourth line, Nathan Bastion and, and um, uh, Michael McLeod are playing really well. So you're, you're seeing a team that's getting uh, all four lines rolling. Uh, all six defensemen are, are playing well. And you know, they're, they're getting really good goaltending, at least right now in this, in this win streak. So um, we'll see if it regresses, but again, the, the statistics look good and, you know, PDO is a bit of a flawed stat, but it's still with the other statistics embedded into it. Like, you know, their expected goals, which is really good top of the top of the league. Um, their, their Corsi four percentage and everything also top of the league. They're, they're, projecting to be more good than they are lucky and it's just it's just convincing at this point that they're a good team and they they could possibly claim a spot one of the top three spots in the metropolitan division yeah bmw line of mcleod bastion and wood have been red hot since october 24th according to christy flannery of the hockey riders and miles wood really wanted it he wanted that hat trick but he was the one who tied the game in period number one he was the one who still kept the devil's comeback alive uh, early on in period number three. So just bring that energy was just, just what the doctor ordered. And that's why miles wood was so missed last year. It's just because we didn't have that spark bug player last year, just to light a fire underneath the devils. Miles wood will do that. Whether he's getting into a fight, we saw that in the last game, uh, the previous game before the Edmonton Oilers against the Vancouver Canucks, when he got into it with Luke Shen, because after that scuffle with Luke Shen, the devils just kicked it into a different gear because they began that game relatively slow. So it was just like, they looked a little lethargic. Uh, they didn't really look like they had that much energy, but that was bound to happen, especially when you're traveling over to the Western part of Canada, you can't maintain that fast paced energy, all 82 games. It's just not possible. You're, you know, you're bound to crash and burn at a few points in the season, but 
Um, after that scuffle with Luke Shen, even though Miles Wood did get his butt kicked, that sparked new life for the Devils. So Miles Wood was greatly missed last year. And I just got to ask you, what are the expectations going forward for the Devils? Like, because I want to keep everyone honest. The last time the Devils made a playoff appearance was 2018. So 2017, 2018, I think at some point in December, they were first in the Metro. But as the season came to an end, the Devils barely squeaked into the wild card position. So that's my thing. I'm excited, but I don't want to get too excited, if that makes sense, because we've crashed and burned before, and we're going to go on a we're going to go on a losing streak at some point during the course of the season. It could be two games, it could be five games, whatever the case might be. You know, the Devils are going to hit some sort of slump this season, similar to a lot of other teams. That's just how it's going to happen. But I just want to keep everyone honest, and I want to ask you this: What are the expectations moving forward? Yeah, so, you know, another big test tomorrow night in Calgary or tonight as you're hearing this um, in, in in Calgary, and then they see them again at home uh, in a weird home-and-home home situation um, between the uh, United States and Canada. But, um, you, you know, you, you look at this this month and this schedule, um, you know, there are some tough games and there are maybe some easier games, right? Like Ottawa's toiling right now, then they, they meet Arizona after that. Um, Montreal, it looks to be like they're a little feistier than people expected, but then they meet, you know, a, a high octane team in, in the Toronto Maple Leafs who, despite the, um, uh, uh, some of the troubles they're having early this season, they're still a team you can't sleep on because they can score a goal at any moment. Um, then they meet the Oilers again and, uh, you know, Buffalo's playing really well, the Rangers. So this is a big month for them. I think by the time we get to Thanksgiving, if they are still playing as well as they are. Um, you can start to say to yourself, yeah, this team is legit and uh, we're, we're probably going to get ready to go on some sort of a run here uh, at that at the playoffs. By the time the trade deadline comes, I'd expect them to maybe maybe load up a little bit um, if they're if they're close or if they're in it, um, just because, you know, you, you bring in those guys, like I said earlier, this uh, in the episode this summer for, that have the playoff experience. But guys like Jesper Bratt and, and Andre Palat, I'm sorry, Jesper Bratt and um Jack Hughes, they, they, those guys don't have the playoff experience yet. And you want that for them um, just so that they can get a taste and um, really get that hunger for it to get back there. So um, I, I think that moving forward, you know, again, big test last night that they passed, they passed the test against the Colorado avalanche. If they can beat the flames in this back-to-back at least once um, and make both of those games, meaningful games where they don't get blown out. And um, you know, they, they look like they're, they're putting up a good fight you can start to say to yourself, okay, something's cooking here. And um, like I said, by the time American Thanksgiving rolls around, um, if they're still playing this way, then, then I would be probably fully convinced at that point that this is a playoff team. And um, you know, there's, there's reason to be excited for that. Yeah. I mean, just like you said, I mean, the Pacific division is not that tough a division because there's a lot of like poor teams. So you got the sharks, you got the ducks, you got the Canucks at the time when the Devils were about to face the Canucks, they were six in the, in, in the Pacific. And I was just like, you know what? If the Devils are not going to have that good of an outing, make it against the Vancouver Canucks. Because y- if you go against the Edmonton Oilers at that pace, like they were in Vancouver, you're going to lose. No answers or buts about it. You could probably get away with it with Calgary because they're in the middle of the pack in the Pacific, but it's give or take. Mostly you don't want to uh, risk it, but against Vancouver Canucks like you said they're still trying to figure some stuff out and yeah it's a good test hopefully they can extend this win streak because 
honestly, I thought the Edmonton Oilers would snap it. I, I'll be completely honest with you because I was just like, I think the Devils will put up a good fight, but I just think like they still need some, they just need a few more pieces to really become competitive and take it to the next level. So keep an eye out for like Timo Meyer for San Jose Sharks. Keep an eye out for Mitchell Marner for the Toronto Maple Leafs because it, I wouldn't be surprised if both respective organizations decide, decide to do something drastic. I call it silly season on my show. If you, if you're not aware, like where I talk about certain trade scenarios or uh, potential signings that the devils could do. Doesn't mean it'll happen. Doesn't mean I am not saying it's realistic. I'm just saying in a hypothetical world, a what if scenario, what if the New Jersey devils did this? What if the New Jersey devils did that? Some something in that regard. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Which is, you know, maybe Come the trade deadline, I expect the New Jersey Devils to no longer be sellers or just be saying, hey, we want this guy off the market. Like, try to trade him for pennies or whatever the case might be. I think Tom Fitzgerald is going to start buying and start incorporating some draft picks because Tom Fitzgerald has shown he's not really the biggest fan of trading away um, draft picks in that regards. Yeah, and, you know, that's probably because he's known for a while ever since drafting Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer that he's, he's trying to build a winner. Um, but at, at this point, I mean, the forward group's pretty deep, right? They still have guys like Fabian Zetterlund and uh, Alexander Holtz who are trying to figure out how to stay in the lineup. But, you know, when they, when they're not, they have other guys who can uh, hop in with, with no problem and, and not skip a beat, right? Palat's been out a few games and Fabian Zetterlund has been able to, to pretty much fill in seamlessly. He did receive from, uh, Lindy Ruff, a comparison to Andre Palat, which speaks uh, high volumes to, to Fabian Zetterlin's game. Um, but, you know, there's always room to, to improve somewhere, you know. So even though the, the offense is, you know, one of the best in the NHL right now, if not the best in the NHL right now, um, you look at the you look at the right wing next to Nico Heischer and you say, although Fabian Zetterlin is a nice player, you know, if you have the opportunity to get a Timo Meyer why not do so his age fits in with the core pretty well he's in his mid-20s um and you know even though he'll be due for a raise there is the the inclination that the salary cap might go up so maybe we have the opportunity to pay this guy and if it's not something as drastic as a timo meyer um you know there there is ways to improve the team moving forward without doing too much damage to the future so um there is also something to be said about you know guys like ryan graves and damon severson whose uh contracts are going to be up after the season and you know i I don't mean to interrupt you but if i had to make an educated guess they're going to extend ryan graves because he'll be cheaper damon severson most likely is going to walk yeah there's that possibility or be traded come the trade deadline yeah there there's both of those are possible scenarios for sure and i'm and i'm almost wondering now with the new um pairing of ryan graves and john marino how much that influences ryan graves staying just because they're playing pretty well together as a pair um as of right now, I spoke to both players. There's been no contract negotiations to start uh, the season. Uh, it's kind of like a wait and see because obviously there's reinforcements coming with Luke Hughes and um, uh, uh, Simone Nemich. Uh, they also have guys like Riley Walsh, who if the Devils blue line wasn't so deep, he could probably be in the NHL right now. So um, there are parts that this team can sell, but you know, there's something to be said about keeping Damon Severson and Ryan Graves, not trading them at the trade deadline and letting them walk in free agency in order to get value elsewhere in playoff experience, right? Because those two are vital parts of this team right now. They're part of the reason why they're winning. Um, 
And, you know, there, I think there was a similar situation uh, or current situation going on in uh, St. Louis right now with Vladimir Tarasenko, where they're like, are we going to sign this guy or are we going to let him walk? We have aspirations for, for the playoffs. What's the right path here? And the talk has been, it's okay to let your players walk at the end of contract years because uh, if and when you're trying to get into the playoffs and, and make a run. So um, I think there's something to be said about that. And I could see a situation like that happening with one or both players, um, but there are reinforcements on the way. So if somebody walks or if you don't get something for them, um, they have the assets to be able to, you know, fill those voids. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Damon Severson is that he's dead last on the New Jersey Devils and plus minus at negative three. And, you know, he hasn't scored since the first game of the year against the Flyers. And he's supposed to be one of our better offensive defensemen. And then for Ryan Graves, he's hot right now. Like he's been, it, it seems like he's adjusting really well. seems like he's finding himself a little bit more. He's looking for the open opportunities. And he also leads the team in plus minus at plus 11 trailing him is John Marino. So it's just like, I just don't see the New Jersey devils letting go of Ryan Graves at this pace because he could come at a much cheaper deal. And he does bring a lot of experience. Actually. I know he's young, but the, the previous team he played for was Colorado Avalanche. He played with Kale McCarr. So the question was, can Ryan Graves hold his own coming to New Jersey? Or was he just blessed with a good defense out in Colorado? And I think he's answered the question saying he's actually a really good player. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. He moves the puck pretty well. He's a big guy. You know, he could, he could take the body. He has a good reach. Um, you know, he's pretty smart defensively. He knows where to position himself and he has the, the, the foot speed to get himself back into position. Uh, you know, God forbid he finds himself out of it. So, um, I, and I, like I said earlier, he's been paired with John Marino now, and I think they really like that pair. So, uh, that could influence on whether or not, uh, Ryan Graves, you know, sticks around because, uh, John Marino will definitely be sticking around. And, and I think that they want to, you know, put him in the best situation possible, um, and, and as at this moment, that's with Ryan Graves. They're playing really well together. Um, that duo was the reason for the tie game last night. And, um, you know, I, I could see a situation where, yeah, you're right. Graves could stick around. And, you know, when Luke Hughes comes over, um, you know, probably after the start of uh, or, or the end of the NCAA season, uh, there's the possibility that he'll go down to Utica. But there's also the possibility that they'll try to keep him around for the remainder of the NHL season, you know, at the end of March and uh, in April. So it'll be interesting to see how that situation plays itself out. So last question, do you have any final thoughts? I always ask my guests this when they, uh, well, uh, if they're journalists in this regards. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, so the, the latest update on Mackenzie Blackwood is that there is no update. He's going to see more doctors today, you know, oh, whether or not that's a, that's never good. I, if I had to guess it's either an ankle or a groin injury, maybe, yeah, so, injury, but I think it's a groin if I had to guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll see how it plays itself out. The, the interesting thing here is, you know, uh, Jonathan Bernier is on the road trip with them. So is he almost ready? There's, there's chatter that he might be, um, you know, I know that there was question marks as to whether or not he was going to uh, have to end his career, but that's not the, that's not the case as far as I'm told. Um, There is, there is the inclination he could be back sooner rather than later. And that might be your seamless transition from, you know, Blackwood to Bernier and in tandem with Vanacek. According to Julie Robinheimer, when she was on a Twitter space with the Brat Pack, someone you're familiar with, uh, the, the timeline for Jonathan Bernier was for him to return at around Thanksgiving time. So we're just a couple right. weeks away from that. So it's right. just like, he's close, actually. So, yeah. but they're not going to use him unless they absolutely 100% have to. Right. And, uh, you know, attending training camp, 
the goaltending situation from top to bottom in the organization actually looks pretty good. Uh, Dawes looked really strong, and I, and I had thought for a moment that he was actually going to be considered for the NHL roster. Um, even Akira Schmid looked pretty good. I, I liked what I saw from both of those goaltenders. So um, I think there's definitely some untapped potential there for for Dawes. I think, you know, he was a third round pick and that's typically where, you know, starting goaltenders uh, are drafted in the NHL draft, unless it's, you know, a surefire franchise goaltender like a Spencer Knight. Right. But, um, you know, I liked what I saw from Dawes. You could see him come up and, uh, you know, maybe be that that uh, number two to Vanacek. Uh, and, and I think that that would be just fine. He, he's uh, he showed me a little bit in preseason that that's stood out and said to me, you know, he has a chance. Um, he's, I think, making his way towards being the goaltender of the future. Um, but for now, if it's just Vanacek and Bernier magically is uh, ready to go, maybe a couple weeks early, that's okay too. You know, Bernier is an excellent goaltender. And uh, although he hasn't really had too much consistency in New Jersey because of injury, um, if he can stay healthy and, and, uh, you know, be a good backup for Vanacek, who looked excellent last night. I think the goaltending situation is going to be okay. All right, James, where can everyone find you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at James Nichols NYI. I'm working on the at handle once uh, Elon Musk takes my uh, blue check mark away. I'm sure here's, I can change here's it. Thing, guys. If you're wondering why he can't change the handle right now, because I'm verified on Twitter as well. If you change the handle, so if I change my Twitter handle, Trey Matt Ford, like Trey Matt Five, I lose my blue check mark permanently. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and it's an annoying process. I don't feel like going through it again. Getting verified um, is not cut and dry as people think it is. You don't just no. submit something and then boom, you're verified. You have to go through a process. Then Twitter has to review to see if yeah. you meet the requirements. So for anyone who says it's easy to get verified, it is not. It is actually a pretty deep process that I didn't go through because luckily I have social locked on social media to help me out, but just giving everyone that FYI. Yeah. So, and, you know, uh, I'm working on, uh, you know, trying to get that figured out, but it looks like Elon Musk is going to take it away anyway, because I'm not trying to pay for it. So if they take it away, I can make it a little bit more I neutral. I really hope that's fake news. I really am praying that's yeah. fake. I, I guess, I guess we'll see. But, uh, you know, other than that, you can also read my work at the fourth period.com. Uh, and you can hear me weekly on devil's details via YouTube um, every Thursday at 2.30 PM Eastern standard time. All right, everybody. So the New Jersey Devils are going to be once again put to another test against the Calgary Flames in a home and home matchup. So they're going to first play Calgary at Calgary and then Calgary is going to come over to the rock. We'll see what happens. But the Devils, they're on fire right now. So, James, thanks again for uh, coming on and giving us your insight. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the next one.